Welcome to our next episode of Fandom Family Chats. This is a production of Family Fan Clubs on Facebook. You can find us all over Facebook. You can find us all over social media under Fandom Family Chats. Look us up, get dialed in, get plugged in, and get ready to listen to some crazy people talk crazy stuff. Hey guys, welcome back to FFC. I'm Maureen. I'm Amanda. And today we are bringing you another Netflix review. We are talking documentaries, mockumentaries, docu-series, anything in the documentary sort of realm. Although we're only going over four today. Netflix has so many. And what I love about oh, Netflix is so that when you watch like one, even one documentary, mm-hmm. it starts saying, well, because you watch this, here are all the other documentaries that you can watch. And so there's a I know on more. And that's all I'm watching lately because I like turned on Wham. <laughs> and then like ever since I watched Wham, they keep like throwing mm-hmm. new ones at me. Yep. And I'm like, oh, that looks good. Yep. Oh, that looks good. <laughs> and now I'm like completely stuck in a documentary loop i'm such a like tv show person and now i'm like watching all these documentaries and i'm like what am i doing <laughs> like i of course i'm i love my true crime doc- any documentary true crime documentary i'm and i'm always watching them but now i'm watching all these other different type of documentaries which i don't know i thought i mean doing the podcast kind of forced me to do the documentaries and now I'm kind of loving them. Yes. It opened my mind. So everybody listening. That's what I like about these Netflix reviews is because it forces all of us to watch something that we don't like. Jeanette frequently says, I don't watch movies. Well, you're going to now because you have to, to review them. Yeah. (laughs) This is our life now, especially now that the writers are on strike with the actors. This is our life right now. (laughs) Yeah. This is about to get hard for us all. So (laughs) I, I don't yeah. know the whole story that, but I know that <clears throat> yeah. this is why they're on strike. And we at FFC, we want to be want to be bold about saying that we stand with the actors and we stand with the writers and we think that they should be paid more fairly. Their job mm-hmm. should be protected. Like it would be in any other company. It should be protected. Yep. So uh, on that note, we're going to keep bringing you Netflix reviews until they get what they deserve and they're getting paid appropriately for their work and for the work that they have put into past projects. We're going to keep giving you reviews of things that you can currently watch. And it kind of seems counterintuitive to be like, Hey, watch this Netflix show. But I mean, we're going to watch something, Mm -hmm. you know, but hopefully Netflix doesn't make any money off of new things, which is where they get the bulk of their things from. So that's, that's our hope. So we're going to keep bringing you this stuff um, for the time being. It's not just going to be Netflix either. We have, uh, in a, an Amazon Prime one coming at you the end of August. We're going to yep. be going over that. So keep an eye out for those. Today, as we said, we're talking documentaries. We're going to start with Pamela, A Love Story. Now, I was interested in this because Pamela Anderson, that's you know my generation. I never watched Baywatch because I wasn't into that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. everyone knew who Pam Anderson was. And everyone yes. knew about Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee. Everybody. Whether or not you mm-hmm. like them, whether or not you listen to Motley Crue, you knew who they were and you knew why they were significant. I'm going to read the little synopsis of it. It says, follows the life of pop culture icon Pamela Anderson, including never before seen archival footage and personal journals. That was really cool. I think. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of walk through. Now, this is not going to be like a normal review where we give you characters and that's because there aren't any characters in these documentaries. It's a documentary. Pamela Anderson was kind of the main character and she wasn't a character. She was herself. And she lives with her mom. She does in Canada. I never knew that. Like to like this, I would never think Pamela Anderson's living in Canada in a quaint little house. That threw me for a loop. Yeah, like 
I loved this documentary. Mm -hmm. I have like very little left to go. I haven't completely finished it yet, but I'm going to, I want to, it's very good. It's good. And honestly, one of my favorite things was, was, um, the journals that she kept throughout her entire life. Like she went back Mm -hmm. to before she was even famous. She kept all those journals and she had them in all these tote boxes stored away at her house, listening to the things that she felt and the way that, um, she worked throughout the industry. And it, it was kind of sad because I remember when barbed wire came out and I was guilty, certainly being like, that's a Pam Anderson movie. Oh, geez. Can't take her seriously. And that was what I thought of her at the time. And what a shame, what a shame that she was, she was pushed. I mean, she, I think she got a reduction, but she, she, she did, did originally enhance herself and that, set her on this specific path that she couldn't seem to break away from. And it almost caused like this depression and then people stealing her, her private videotapes and not giving back. And then they even took this guy to court, which I didn't know. And they mm-hmm. lost. How do you lose that court case? The, know, did you remember what insane. the judge said? No. That she brought it on herself because she was a Playboy model. So she didn't have any right to say, no, you can't do this because this is the career that you chose for yourself. Now, try to do that today. Mm-hmm. There's no there's, way there there she would win that every day mm-hmm. if that had happened well, today. Hopefully. Sadly, that was the world back then. Mm-hmm. And sh- was it right? Should have been no. It's not an excuse. It yeah. shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm not shocked. No, it's just the same thing about you know dress pro- provocatively and you're bringing it upon yourself. It's not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, it's it's but it's the way the world was back then and yes yeah, she has gotten a breast reduction at her age now and i think she looks she's so beautiful mm-hmm. like this whole documentary she has no makeup on that's she, one thing i loved and i'm like you are just gorgeous mm-hmm. and she's humble so humble and she's she's shy which i didn't that surprised know, me a little bit she's always kind of been but that surprised me because I growing up, yeah. I didn't I didn't watch any of her shows really, but I knew mm-hmm. what guys thought of her. And I knew that like I kept I knew that she married Kid Rock. I knew that she married Motley Cru- the Tommy Lee. Tommy I knew Lee. about their tape that came out. Like I knew all these things about her. Yeah. But I never really I didn't care to watch her her stuff. I didn't care to watch the interviews because it was Pam Anderson. I don't care. Yeah. And all she was famous for at the time was her chest and her body shape. And that wasn't my thing. So I didn't care. So it surprised me how she would talk about how people viewed her body and how people viewed her as a human being, even Mm -hmm. how sad she would get and how shy she was to talk about when she first started getting recognized for her body. And she even said at one point, I knew I was pretty, but it's not like that's what she wanted to be known for. She was hoping it would get her in the door, but she didn't want to be known for that. And that's all she was known for. Yeah, this is exactly. I mean, that's how most people I feel like try to get into that business is by their looks because yeah. that's that's as vain as it sounds that 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 is what sells i mean stupid are there but- actors that are not quote unquote attractive to the naked eye that we absolutely love i will never name names mm-hmm. yes there are but that's because we've learned the personalities yeah exactly. but to get your foot in the door honestly it's it's easier to be pretty yep in the and world that- and that's not even from a consumer standpoint. That is from yeah. an executive standpoint. That's what they look for, a certain aesthetic in a person. If you can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt how good you are at your craft, then it 
it might not matter how you look, but they're going to try to dress you up pretty. I mean, that's why there's makeup teams that follow people everywhere and hair teams and stylists. And I'm not knocking any of those professions. I think those professions are cool. My daughter wants to be one of those and that's totally fine. But there is this certain pressure that you have to look a certain way, be a certain mm-hmm. way, or you'll be out, especially then. Like, this is before the Me Too movement. This is before Harvey Weinstein. Like, this, I mean, not before him, but before we knew really what he was. Yeah. yeah. Back then, it was, if you do not maintain this sexual character, this perfect physique, this over-sexualized lifestyle, then you will amount to nothing in this business. If that's what you want, go ahead. And so there was mm-hmm. this pressure for her and to watch this is, that was my favorite thing about it was that one, she was makeupless. I love that. She mm-hmm. was just herself. You find this whole other side to her that I personally never, ever knew about because all yeah. I knew was what the media and Hollywood told me about her was she has big, she has a big chest. She's got a perfect body and she's a pinup. That's, that's all I knew. So I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I knew she would. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all I knew is. Baywatch, her running on the beach, red swimsuit, blonde hair, big boobs, Mm -hmm. and she had made a sex tape with Tommy Lee. Yep. That's all I knew. And she has Bob Wire. wire. (laughs) (laughs) Commercial success that that was. You know, that's about all I knew of Pamela Anderson. But like you said, getting to like really know her in this documentary was really cool. And watching her with her sons. She's a great mom. Mm-hmm. Just like I think her mom was a great mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And even the way her son stood up for her when they were watching mm-hmm. certain parts of the documentary and she had to leave the room and her son was so mad on behalf of her. Yeah. Your kids will not be protective of you and fight for you if you don't love them well. <laughs> no. They'll be afraid of really you. Really when they're an adult. They don't have to have any part of exactly. it. Lightly. When they might adults. be afraid of you and they might be timid around you and they might say things, but the, they will not actually authentically be protective or care for you if you do not love them well. And Pamela mm-hmm. Anderson loves her. You can say whatever you want about her. She loves her boys well. And with Tommy Lee, like she didn't want that divorce. Yeah, they got married quickly. Like I was surprised how quick they got married. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. What was it? The week they met, they got married? Yeah, it was like a week or two. It- <laughs> like, whoo. That's that's bold. I know. I it's... don't recommend that, but that's bold. And even in that, like you kind of think, oh, they just look at he's just a partier and she's just this. That's obviously why they divorced. That was kind of like the the mindset that they she never came out and said, This is what Tommy has done to me. This is what my life was. And that she never said any of that. She kept it to herself. She could have. She had the ammunition to go out and put Tommy Lee on blast. And she didn't for the sake of her boys. She didn't on the sake of her boys. And again, Tommy a little bit, I think. I think she was afraid of Tommy. And I feel like, I mean, let's go back to 90s, early 2000s, Mm -hmm. when men held a lot more power. Yeah, that's true. And really in that kind of setting in the entertainment industry, Tommy Lee, I think, would have a lot more power than Pamela Anderson. Yeah. When it came yeah. to the industry. Especially because Motley Crue had way more clout than Pam Anderson did. Yeah. And she was probably afraid. Yeah. She was seen as well, an she object. Was yes. Yeah. So I, I understand how why she kept quiet. I don't I hate it for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not right. But, but- I understand she, why she did yeah absolutely and she had also i mean even the relationship she has with tommy lee now 
mm-hmm. her, she is a human being that is able to forgive. And that is not easy to do. I mean, that's what we're called to do biblically, but that is not what she, it's not easy for us to forgive anybody. And she now has a relationship with Tommy Lee that she actually like hangs out with him and his wife. And his yeah. wife tells Tommy Lee all the time, you were an idiot for letting her go. Like that's the relationship she has with her ex-husband and his current wife. That speaks to her as a human being. Oh, it absolutely so much does. more substance than we were ever led to believe, which is, it's a disservice to her, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I love, 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 love that we got to see her go on Broadway. Like how freaking cool. Did you not get to that part yet? I haven't, but I saw, oh. <laughs> I, I've seen a little bit, um, like a clip of it Okay, on TikTok I saw. So I know and what you're talking about. It was the perfect role for her because A, yeah, it was Chicago. So it's like women scantily clad and doing stuff on a stage. But because it's on Broadway, it gives her more cred. It gives her more substance. It People automatically say, well, Broadway is not easy no matter what the role is. So she's got to be something. Mm-hmm. And she did great. She was so adorably nervous before she went and auditioned, while she was reading the script before she went in there. And she hit it out of the park. She did. But she didn't think she could. And I, it was really, it was, it was an overcoming story. And I really, really liked that about it. Absolutely. I loved this documentary. Like I said, I still got a little bit of time left. Mm-hmm. Very little though. Do you have any complaints? Yeah. Well, I, I think overall it's great. And I remember putting this in the chat, my complaint about it. I only have one complaint really, because how can you complain with the documentary? You know, yeah, you know it's you're getting hard. kind of right off the bat, <laughs> but and that leads into my complaint because I probably, as you guys said, probably should have figured this was going to be in there. I did not expect the nudity. I, I did not like it. I was uncomfortable Uh-oh. with it. And I thought it would be like a family-friendly documentary where, yeah, there might be some swearing, but I wasn't thinking Pam Anderson, Playboy model. I was just thinking, Pam Anderson, I'm interested to know what her life is about. And then there was like this full body nudity. Like, oh my God, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> and I was very, very thrown off by it. And I was made very uncomfortable. And I... I didn't honestly, by the way she was speaking in the documentary, by the way she was talking about her struggles with what the media and people had put as her image for so long and that wasn't who she was. She was more than this bimbo that they put her out to be. She was more than this body that they put her out to be. I didn't think it was necessary to show the full nudity stuff. I mean, obviously we didn't see full nudity, but we saw enough nudity that I was like, okay, I'm fast forwarding through. So I don't even know what she said in most points because I was like, I, I don't, I can't, I don't yeah, feel that comfortable didn't watching bother this. Me. Obviously. I should have expected we have different mindsets when it comes to this, but I kind of took it as this was her, her way of being in control of her body and what you see instead of her, just everybody taking pictures or saying, move like this, do this. She got to kind of choose what images Mm -hmm. were out there in her own documentary. So I kind of liked it in that sense. That's how I took it watching it yeah i can see that i think i was just naively hoping for like uh, <laughs> i i, I, I mean, don't know hey, i don't know what it's, i was just hoping it for no good <laughs> I, I mean what well, was from the 1990s but i was just very much hoping for i, I actually i wasn't even hoping for nudity. i just turned it on thinking okay this is a documentary, documentary. on netflix there's not going to be nudity this is safe to watch and it for me personally, it was not safe to watch at those parts. <laughs> Thankfully, it was only like two spots yeah. in the very beginning because it was when she was talking about what she was going through. 
And I, I get, I get that that's probably what she was doing. It was just for me personally, I did not enjoy seeing that. And I'm not saying that anybody else enjoyed looking at it, which I'm sure there are people who did, but that's not even my point. It's just that I think it's a personal preference of whether or not you're comfortable with nudity. And I am 100% not comfortable with any nudity on my TV yeah. screens at all in any capacity. So yeah. that's, that's just my personal preference with it. And that is literally, if that's my only complaint about this, I think that's pretty good because it had no bearing on who she is as a person. I actually really, really enjoyed seeing her as a human being for the first time. Same. I have no complaints, but I, like I said, it's kind of hard to give a complaint over a documentary. <laughs> You kind of know just, what you're getting into. Yeah, I I loved it. I'll give it, and I give it an A. I think I will give it a B only because it wasn't something I could watch around my kids. And it wasn't something I could feel comfortable watching by myself. Yeah. Until, yeah. well, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna break it into two parts. The beginning of it, okay, those two scenes, <laughs> I, will, I will give it C. The rest of it, the whole back half of it beyond her years as a pinup, I would give that an A because it really, that's when you really got to the meat of who Pam Anderson was. And she is, she's smart. She's funny. She's humble. I felt so sad for her at times because she, she admitted that sometimes she played up to that image because she didn't oh, feel yeah. like she couldn't do anything Absolutely. other than that. And I felt so sad for this woman who had to grow up and she did, she grew up in the spotlight in this way and she didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so I felt so empathetic towards her in that. So I would give the rest of it an A because it was, it's Pam Anderson. If you are, if you are listening to this, Pam Anderson is more than what everyone painted her to be all those years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she did it. Me too. And I think I, can you imagine how therapeutic that was for her to be in control? And there was even one point where she said to them, don't put that in there. And they left that part in there. Yeah, I think, but no, I think they left her saying, don't put that in there. And then they didn't show what she didn't want them to show. So I think it was nice for them to leave her saying, don't use that because we could see her voice is being heard. And so, and she got final say over this whole thing. So Mm -hmm. it was, well, it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been telling you this whole Netflix series that we are honest with you about our opinions. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I just want to preface this next one with that. Yes. We're going to move on to another it's a mockumentary. Our only mockumentary on the on the earth. Nope. Our only mock mockumentary on the list is what I meant to say. The name of the show is Conk on Earth. It's the synopsis says it follows Philomena Conk as she comically tells the story of our greatest inventions and asks experts hard-hitting questions about humanity's progress. So that's what this one is about. And it's a mockumentary and I was like, oh, this looks really good. My husband had mentioned something about it. He's like, oh, have you heard about this? I heard this coming out. I heard it's supposed to be good. So Amanda did not watch it. And I, I'm not even mad about it because I you got- were saying how bad it was. It so was it was awful. kind of on the bottom of my list to watch if I got through everything else. <laughs> Don't. It was so awful. I Okay, so in college, I studied history. That's one of the things I studied. I was a history minor and I was an English major. And so I, I adore history. You can get me to watch anything on castles, on, on any sort of history thing. I will, I will eat it up. So I was really excited about this. And I thought, oh, great. She's going to tell it in a funny way. It was, I made it through two and a half episodes before I was like, I can, my brain is so angry at me right now. And it feels like it's dying slowly. I cannot do this anymore. It was so awful. And this may be some people's cup of tea, but she was, her comedy in this was almost like insulting the his, the real historians that she was talking to. 
And you could tell that, and I don't, maybe it was, maybe they were pretending they were getting frustrated. Maybe that's what they think is funny. I don't know. But the historians that she was speaking to seemed to be legitimately and rightfully disgusted at times and angry at how she was questioning them about things. She would mm-hmm. question them things about like sexual organs and how, se- like just, it, it was just awful. I honestly have blocked out a lot of what it was because I was so excited about this one because yeah. I, I love history. But I also love comedy and I love British comedy usually because it's so dry and deadpan. Yeah. There was nothing funny about this. It, it was borderline offensive throughout. Oh, I have nothing not good, good to say about it at all. So I, I don't even that have sucks. favorites to give you. She's a character because I don't think this is really how Philomena. I don't even know if that's a real name, but I don't think this is who she is as a person. I think this is a character she's putting on for this mockumentary. But it was just, she would go to these beautiful places, these deeply rooted historic places that have so much rich and wealth in their knowledge and in what they have to say because of their history. And it was like, she just peed all over it. Like it just, it, it was such a disappointment. And maybe that's why it was so bad for me because I had such high hopes for the humor and the history together. But it, 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 it's, I have no other didn't, word other than awful. Work. It was awful i hated it and that sucks this again i have i i have a certain personality and there are certain things i don't abide by i i don't i i don't like a lot of things that the world likes sometimes and so this was just maybe it's somebody's cup of tea she's Mm -hmm. maybe this humor is funny to some people and i'm sure it is because it's made it on netflix i don't think it's being renewed though of course Netflix isn't really announcing anything being renewed right now renewed, because yeah. of what's going on. So maybe it will be, but I don't think it got the numbers. I don't think it was, I don't think it was what they thought it was going to be. I don't think it was even what they build it as because the previews they showed were actually kind of funny. I didn't see any of that. And I watched two and a half episodes where I was like, I, I, I can't, I cannot physically do this anymore without wanting to harm myself. <laughs> so since we've never had a very terrible review and i haven't seen it teen wolf the movie i wasn't on that though oh i didn't even finish it i couldn't get through that thing i'm not finishing it either don't even try to make me go watch that again (laughs) i'm still mad at you people me i had nothing to do that was probably really loud for you guys i'm really sorry i'm gonna do (laughs) me I had, I had nothing to do that. I was also forced to watch it. Thank you very much. It was Jeanette's idea. I will fully throw her under the bus for that one. Three. It was like three hours too. Three hours of my life wasted on that piece of garbage. Ugh. Sorry to all the actors who put their time and effort into that. We love you. <laughs> we just didn't. And it wasn't even the acting. It was just the writing was so the every. It was just bad. Anyway, sorry. So since we didn't have, what were you going to say? I was just going to read. I I went and saw what the reviews were. Like where are you online. finding these reviews? IMDb. I just went to IMDb. Oh, okay. That's where I usually You know they can go in and edit those, right? Yeah, which it got an 8.1 out of 10 from who? Hey, there's a, they got a really high score on Rotten Tomatoes. Did they? Yeah. I think it's like good in like Britain humor. Yeah, but I, I like British humor. I love British humor, and this was I don't just really not it. Much. I know I wouldn't like it because I don't really like British humor. I, I like it. like funny humor. It makes <laughs> British humor makes me uncomfortable. British humor is so, not funny. I only like the funny humor. 
it's, it's just very dry that's my favorite it, dry humor makes me uncomfortable a little bit i'm like are they serious or are they like i don't like conflict like any kind of like any kind of conflict i totally understand that see now i'm i'm the type of person who like one of my favorite okay this is gonna sound weird this sentence as it comes out of my mouth and i know it's gonna sound weird but go with me here just just okay track with me one of my favorite things about getting cancer <laughs> was okay. how uncomfortable i could make people oh yeah <laughs> it was my favorite thing and it was just by i was just being using dry humor it was i would yell i have cancer and i'm obviously kidding i mean i wasn't but i was i, I didn't really feel that so like that's my kind of thing i love it i love that kind of humor this fell short because it felt like it's not the typical british humor of just being dry and witty it was arrogant and it was offensive and it was mm. pushing that envelope of acting as if none of this is none of this is a joke it's all very very real usually with the dry humor it's it's you can tell at least i can tell when it's a joke and when it's not and this was i'll read you one of the one of the because it did get a really high ranking on rotten tomatoes so Mm -hmm. try this out guys i i might be in the minority of people who hated this but some uh the sarah ward she reviewed it and she said morgan's performance is a marvel and a perceptive portrait of couldn't care less arrogance ignorance and certainty that plays as an easy but still smart caricature of a growing attitude prevalent online today that i completely agree with but if that to me that's not a good thing i get that if you're if you're playing a caricature of a growing attitude online today i can absolutely see that play out mm-hmm. however that's not how it is in the show it's not like she's doing something of someone online she's actually going to these places talking to these people and saying this but i agree couldn't care less arrogance ignorance and certainty and she was a caricature of online but I, it just wasn't that's why it wasn't funny to me someone yep. else said um the too short five episode season will surely send you running to youtube for more philomena conk and thankfully the internet provides so it it, it honestly the rating it got on rotten tomatoes a hundred percent oh wow yeah like someone everything else- you've told me i don't think it's my cup of tea but no. I guess if you like that humor, go check it out. Exactly. <laughs> some of you, so I, I'm willing to bet that some of you really like, there's over 200 reviews and it got 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. So I might be in the minority. I hated it. <laughs> I hated every moment of it. I felt like my soul was dying. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to try it. No. <laughs> and honestly, my competitive nature, the fact that I got two and a half episodes in and I just found out it's only five episodes. Now you want to go finish it? Kinda. Want is not the word that I would use. <laughs> I do not want to go finish it, but now you I'm like feel compelled. I can, yes, I can. There's only two and a half episodes. I can finish <laughs> that. I should finish that. I don't know if I don't know if I can. If you don't enjoy. It, don't finish it. Yeah, there's so many. There's, there's only so two and a half episodes I've never left. finished. Okay, here's what you guys don't know about our group. Maybe I don't know. He might. If you're in our groups, Amanda is the spearhead for all of our shows that we have groups for, all the shows that we watch. And Jeanette helps in that. But Amanda kind of takes the top spot for this is good. Get off your butts and go watch it or get on your butts and start watching it. Usually rather. they don't listen to me uh-uh. until like years later. And then like, that is oh my not God, true. The show is so good. <laughs> that is I'm not like, true. Uh, y'all. Who's watched what? I am trying to, but I have all these Netflix things to watch in front of it. And honestly, Nobody's David, I, SWAT. I am. I actually like SWAT. 
my husband likes it too. And if we, as soon as we finish Parks and Rec, which we only have eight more episodes total to watch, because we've never seen Parks and Recs before. I only saw parts of the first season. I haven't either. <gasps> what? Okay, I will watch I've SWAT watched, if you watch Parks and Rec. I've watched a few seasons. Watch I, Parks and Rec. I like it. I just watch need it. to get through it. Watch I it. I just restarted The Office, though. Switch <laughs> to Parks and Rec, and I will finish SWAT. Okay. Promise. So I am clearly of a different opinion than all of the people who reviewed it on Rotten Tomatoes because a hundred percent of their reviews said, woohoo, good show of the 235 reviews. And I am over here saying, don't ever turn on the pile of crap. But <laughs> so try it. If you like that kind of, if you like humor that is offensive, if you like humor that is going really, really hard in the ignorant, arrogant category, this is your show. And I, I kind of want to want see some other things that Philomena Conk is in because I'm wondering if this is the character she is all the time because the clips that I saw, they were genuinely funny before I watched it. So give it a shot. Mm -hmm. I hated it. You might love it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but one that I did surprisingly, one that I loved was Wham. Wham. Why did yes. I love that documentary? It was really good. I, I, I watched it while making dinner. I didn't like sit down and like, catch every single word they said but i know wham like my aunt was a it's, wham was a little bit before my time okay mm -hmm. so i don't i wasn't really around when they were like big and all the hype my to aunt fair, loved boy george they were a little before my time too i just want to make that very clear <laughs> to our listeners sorry continue <laughs> i just wanted everyone to know that i'm not 50 years old yet <laughs> my aunt is and she loved george michael now this is how much of wham i did not know i had no idea that george michael was in wham i thought there were two separate things i thought there was wham and i thought there was george boy george i i, I knew a both wait 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 did you just call george michael boy george because those are two very did different I? people yes you did i didn't mean boy george boy I george was... is culture club <laughs> i think i've said it twice now and i don't know why i keep saying it <laughs> I mean, similar stories, 80s band out of Britain that went off on a solo career. That's Both true. George. That's true. All right. And I love 70s and 80s bands. I don't know why. I music. I'd, I'm, I'd like more rock than pop back then. So it's like I knew, I know like every single song that came on on that documentary, I could sing heart, like word for word by heart. Mm -hmm. I know the music. I'm just not very good about knowing what band has done it. Who's in what band? Yeah. Because ever since then, they have everybody like goes to different bands that are end up being big or they go off on their own or the, you know, there's so, or, you know, new people join the band and then they get big. like, there's just so much changing and switching from bands back then because they've been around for 40 years, you know, but now i know like i said i knew george michael i knew wham i didn't know the, i was gonna say the characters in wham <laughs> <laughs> i'm I mean, sorry i watch tv <laughs> the characters a lot of in wham <laughs> i didn't know like who they were i just knew i knew wham yeah i didn't know who they were i didn't know andrew's now name i do yeah i you could have i would have had to look at that even now after watching the documentary well it's i'm on the imdb page for it I and do. what's really sad do you see their top cast 
neither Andrew nor George Michael is listed in the top cast. Who is listed in the top cast, though, is Boy George. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. But is that why I was just saying it? That's not why you were just saying it. Because <laughs> okay. of the similarities that we talked about earlier. But Boy George doesn't even have a speaking part in it. Where they, all these people who are in the top cast, they only show up for like a moment when they're talking about the... They just have to be in the cast because they were mentioned. Well, yeah, it was Shown. the filming. Yeah, it was when they were doing that We Are the World song. Mm-hmm. That was, that's it. But it's mostly just Boy George. Don't, pfft, now you got me doing it. It's mostly George Michael and Andrew. What is Andrew's last name? Oh my gosh, they are way down on the list. Originally. They're not even listed individually. They're listed as Wham. Wait, See? <laughs> they are second to last on the list. Why? They're not very important in this documentary. Just want to say. That's so dumb. <laughs> they should be fighting that. Bananarama was, though. How do you they, say that, top, they get top billing. <laughs> That's so bizarre to me. I don't know why this is happening. Andrew Ridgely was his name um so the synopsis is through the archival interviews and footage george michael and andrew ridgely relive the arc of their wham career from 70s best buds to 80s pop icons and actually there are songs like i i know wham because it was like they're from 1981 is when they came out i believe i was not born yet so that's that's it's not i don't know them because of that and i think when they stopped i was only like three yeah i was three when they stopped when they chose to shut it down but what was interesting to me was i know a lot of these songs i did not realize it was wham i should have because george michael has a very distinct sound but i didn't realize it was wham like wake me up before you go go didn't realize that i know i love like every single song that they were playing i was like oh i love this song yes i was like man I think Wham plays a lot more of a fact in my life than I realized. (laughs) And you can absolutely see their influence in other spheres because, I mean, do you see Mm -hmm. how George Michael danced? Did it look Mm -hmm. a little bit like the Carlton? That was so funny because I realized that too. I completely forgot about it until you just said it. (laughs) But the thought went through my mind when I was watching this. Yeah. I mean, I also love their friendship. Yes. I was because so many of these bands were one person would get more famous than the other which is what happened here mm-hmm. and then they exploded not friends anymore big blowout yeah everything i mean that happens i don't even know how many times all of the 80s and 90s yeah i mean and i i get it but i love how andrew and he would come on camera and freely say like george michael is better than me like mm-hmm. he is just better than me and he deserves to be recognized and that was just so cool to see yeah a friend really holding up a friend Mm -hmm. rather than getting jealous yeah because that doesn't do good for anybody exactly and i like that he was honest about because he even said at one Mm -hmm. point you know i had to learn to deal with that and i had to learn that you know it's it's okay even though it hurt a little bit it was okay because this is and the reason was was because george michael was so intent on hiding who he was that in order to hide who he really was he had to block it out and the only way to block it out was throw himself into work andrew didn't have that same issue and that's what he acknowledged was that 
I wasn't trying to pretend to be anybody else. I was able to fully be me. So I didn't have to overcompensate anywhere else. George Michael did. And there was something George Michael said that I thought was really interesting. I'm going to get the quote wrong. So this, this is a generalized quote from him, but he said something along the lines of, I used to think that in order to be a success, I needed to be better than Michael Jackson or Madonna or Elton John. Mm -hmm. But I realize that's not what success is. They aren't my competition. I just need to be who I am and do what I do. Absolutely. And what a profound thing to realize because that's what he was. That's why. And Andrew even said that was why he was a better songwriter because he was striving so hard to be better than everybody. So no one would look at him the wrong way. Mm hmm. That, that, I mean, that had to be hard. Mm hmm. And even his dad, his dad. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. How sweet yes. was that man? Mm hmm. That's what every dad needs to yeah. be. And he was very open too. Cause he, didn't he say at one point that I did not support this and I was a very hard dad. I was not the best dad. He said something along those lines and he, free, yep. I mean, he's admitting this in a documentary. It's going to be shown to millions of people. He's saying this. And mm -hmm. then he said that it was George himself who turned him around. And then he was able to say, well done my boy. And how proud, I mean, just how proud he is, mm -hmm. which he should be. Yeah. Oh, no. It was amazing. I love this documentary. Yeah, I do too. And th that they were friends from the time. And I love that beginning story, the origin story, because yeah. George Michael came in very quiet, very shy, very unsure, brand new. And Andrew was the one who was like, hey, let's be friends. And I love that too. I mean, because oh. it, it switched yeah. during the band. And I love to see that Andrew was more of the open one at the beginning. Yeah. That was what? really cool to see George Michael kind of become he well even he said george he michael. became a character rather than he became george michael he became a character of himself because that yeah. was how he pushed himself out mm -hmm. and like the only things i remember about wham is i remember joking about them like ha ha wham oh so great because i <laughs> forgot that they sang all these really good songs apparently <laughs> <laughs> but also like there was when i was in junior high junior high or high school there was a naughty story about George Michael in a men's bathroom at a public rest stop that, and that's what I remember about them. And that's why it's kind of like a jokey thing because mm. I think he didn't say anything about who he was until after that. And that was when I was like, I was born in 83. This came when I was in junior high or high school. He mm -hmm. knew in 1982 what he was and he hid it for over yeah. well over a decade. So sad. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is just who he, he was trying to be. And so I had this specific image of him in mind and uh, like the Pamela thing, the image I had in mind was not a shy immigrant guy or shy yep. immigrant boy who came over friendless and had basically only one friend his entire life to support him. And he needed that support. Yeah. And even, mm -hmm. even the relationship between Andrew and his girlfriend who joined the band, like mm. that was so fun. They stayed friend. They broke up. And they stayed really good friends. They did an interview on, I don't know, some talk show. It was just, it was Pepsi, who I don't remember what her real name is. <laughs> and Shirley, what's her name, right? That was Andrew's girlfriend, Shirley. Well, anyway, it was the three of them. It was Andrew, Pepsi. Sounds familiar. <laughs> his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. The three of them were on an interview together, doing a show together. They were all laughing and talking like they've always been friends. And I mean, it, it takes a really good person, like you said, to not be jealous of their other friend's success, to still have a great relationship with their ex, to not have mm -hmm. any jealousy there, to not be any, any, anything wrong with any of that stuff. I mean, he's, he seems like a solid dude. And he even said all I ever, I didn't want fame. 
I didn't want any of this stuff. I just wanted to be in a band with my friend. Yeah. And that that was it. So, I mean, it was so, this, yeah, so mm-hmm. cool. It was, it was a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. I guess that's the best way I can put it. It was a breath of I fresh agree. air to see two friends, mm-hmm. actual friends, not trying yes. to stab each other behind their backs, not talking bad about each other, just lifting one another up yep. and being friends and protecting your friends. It was absolutely, I mean, this documentary pretty much was a friendship documentary yeah, it was <laughs> and i was here for it and i loved mm-hmm. it yeah I there was, was nothing was good this is something i could watch with my kids there wasn't anything overtly sexual there wasn't very i don't know if there was really any language if there was it was very minimal the kind of language that's in there yeah. it was it was very family it was very pg in my opinion and it was it wasn't about because when you think of george michael you sometimes forget he was in wham as you, as you said earlier you did forget <laughs> But you also, like with Pamela Anderson, what you think is the scandal that came later on. Yeah. That's what you that's what you associate with. So I kind of thought, well, I'm interested in how Wham started, but how did George Michael get to where he was? But they didn't cross that line. It was strictly about two people being there for each other. I like that you said it as a friend documentary, because that's that's exactly what it was. And that's what I liked about it. And anything from the 80s, I mean, you got my vote. It's colorful. It brings back memories, even the filming style of their old interviews. And like, I love Andrew's mom keeping all those scrapbooks was the most precious little thing. I love love that. that. (laughs) I love seeing everything from before. Yeah. They were famous. And she even put stuff in there when George was starting to break out on his own. She put some of the stuff in there. So like even his mom, it's like, I mean, as a parent, it would be easy to be like, oh, well, now my son, you took my son out of this. So now my son doesn't have something to do. It could have been easy for her to do that. But she was like, no, Joe. Well, oh, I keep wanting to call him Boy George now. Dang it, Amanda. I'm telling you, it just happens. <laughs> but she was, Boy George. she was encouraged for this, this boy who she watched grow up with her son. And I mean, he was essentially family to them. They've been mm-hmm. friends since they were small kids. And they were now in like, what, their 30s? So what? It was it was a great feel good documentary. I thought it was it was really fun to watch. It was it was clean. I totally agree. I don't think I have any complaints about it. Really, I don't either. I'd give it an A as far as documentaries go. I I would never, I would agree with you. And I don't have any complaints. There's no. no reason I can't give it an A. I thought no. it was great. If you like Wham, or you know what, even if you don't, if you don't like Wham, it was a really good documentary. It was. It, it was opened my eyes. It actually taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. I yeah. learned a lot from this documentary. Yeah. Because I feel like there's there's a tendency for like pop stars or the, these people who get to be mega stardom when they do documentaries and they're included in it, it kind of feels self-righteous. It mm-hmm. kind of feels like, oh, look at how great I am. And not once did either George or Andrew ever come off that way in this at no. all. High marks, Never. I think. It was fun. It was short. It was, yeah. it was like a little over an hour. Yeah. I mean, they were only, they were only together for three. Well, they were together longer than three years, but as a popularized band, they were only together for three years. So it was, it was, if you don't, even if you don't like Wham, it's, it's interesting to see, you get an insider look to how contracts work, how the business works, how they fought to do what they need to do. They worked really hard for, and I think people don't take Wham seriously, but they worked so hard for everything that they got. And they didn't even get paid for like the first year and a half. Mm-mm. They were still living with their parents. <laughs> they were hugely popular. They were both living with their parents. So it's give it a shot. High marks from us. Yep. Absolutely. As we said, Netflix 
only recommends documentaries to us now because we were watching documentaries for this. So we have the Pamela Anderson story, which was, you know, a story of someone from the 90s. We have Wham, something from the 80s. We had something that we I hated. <laughs> Don't mean to love you in that. And now we're going to go another documentary direction. We're going to go to our only docu-series on this list. And it is something that interests, I don't know why it interests me, but it interests both Amanda and I very much. It's the psychology, I think, behind all these things, figuring this stuff out. We're going to talk oh, about yeah. Catching Killers, which is three season docu-series on Netflix. The most recent season just dropped this year, season three. Um, and it's only that. four episodes. It is, yeah. Which I was surprised okay. by. It always that it and it happens every season, and it always I'm always like, where, where wait, what? Like, why where's is the there rest? Only four episodes. I and every season I have to go back and be like, okay, no, there was always. <laughs> that's just that's how they do it. I don't understand because when it comes to true crime documentaries, I love them, but it's a lot. Obviously, I do a true crime podcast. I, I nefarious nightmares. By the way, if you guys are looking for a good yep. a nefarious true crime nightmare, podcast, come listen. I don't like all true crime documentaries and there's a lot I feel like lately I feel like they're getting I don't want to say they're getting too popular they're not too popular but it just I feel like they're just shooting them out so fast and Mm. I can't keep up yeah I I, I just can't keep up with it unless it's like popping up on my to be watched or somebody says hey this is really good go watch this yeah I'm probably not gonna watch it but catching killers I always it it's only ever four episodes and it's Kate, it's, uh, so far it's all cases that i've i know of mm-hmm. so i know a little bit of knowledge about them the first episode on this new season i'm only going to talk about this new season because yeah, that's that's all, all i've watched recently to. but the first episode on this new season and has Re- the guy who goes on the before we get tracks. into that let's let's read the synopsis real quick oh yeah go ahead it's the investigators behind infamous serial killer cases reveal the harrowing chilling details of their extraordinary efforts in this true crime series and it's not just based in one area it's FBI and law enforcement all over the country. So sorry, go ahead. So the first episode of this is a guy who pretty much uses the railroad system to get around and he goes in. I'm only going to talk about this first episode for a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into this is the one I was going to talk about too. Episodes. So good. This was actually an episode in Criminal Minds. Oh, really? Redid this entire thing and it was based off of this episode that's not this episode but this case this individual um and yeah they did it as criminal minds episode over it and so while i was watching it i had never heard of this guy in real life and that's really odd for me he was in texas for so long he was i knew of this through criminal minds so while i was watching this i was going because i've watched criminal minds probably three four times round and round and round it's one of my top favorite shows so I've seen this episode so many times while I was watching this documentary, I was going, what am I watching? Like, what is this based off of? Because I know I, I and I had known Criminal Minds does this. They base a lot of their episodes off of real cases, real serial mm-hmm. killers, real things. But it was like the first time I was ever watching a documentary and saw a case from Criminal Minds yeah. like, up on it. So that was kind of cool for me if you're a Criminal Minds fan. You'll See, know what episode I'm what I'm talking about too, because it was a popular episode. For me, I'm trying to look at the date that he got. Was it was 1999? Okay, for me, That's I remember young. this story vividly. Do you really? I, because my parents' house was right on the railroad tracks. Oh no! And Where? in uh, right above Wisconsin, 
And the last place he killed was in Illinois. And so I remember it being on the news and my parents were like, my dad, my stepmom were like, um, they were like, they would try to turn it when we come in the room, but I was in high school when this happened. And I, I was a sophomore, I think in high school when this happened, July 99. Yeah. I was a sophomore. No, I was, yeah, I was, I just finished my sophomore year when he was arrested in July of 99 and the news was painting it as if he was traveling up Mm -hmm. and we were right the up which is where i lived at the time it's right on the border of canada so everyone kind of suspected he's going up through canada and illinois was the last place he was at I'm like oh my god we're gonna die we're all gonna oh, die god. and I'll, like i would go to sleep at night and have panic attacks thinking that because my stepmom would sleep out in the living room sometimes she falls asleep at the tv and i had two younger sisters in the house with me and my dad and I would have like, I would wake up in a cold sweat in these nightmares thinking that this guy had broken into our house and he had bludgeoned my sisters to death. Like it was, the news did not hold back on what he did to these people. Oh, and wow. it was like, it was in my, I didn't sleep for months on this mm-hmm. because frequently our train, the train that would go right by our house, it would stop right by our, like the, the <laughs> depot wasn't there, oh, no. but it would stop because it would wait for the depot to let them through. And so all I could think is like every time I would, I would wake up in a cold sweat every time I'd hear, because the train would go by at two in the morning, almost like clockwork once a week, two in the morning, the train would go by our house and it would stop for a half an hour. And that's, I would wake up in a cold sweat every time I would hear the train. So this, I was so, I don't know why I was surprised. No, I didn't. I was so horrified and so terrified when they caught them, when they caught this guy. And it seems now that I'm can look back on it, it seems kind of like silly that I would be afraid of it, but he went from Texas to Illinois and he kept moving up. So we, that was how the news painted it in our town was he's moving up to Canada. So we all thought he's coming up here, <sighs> but these poor, I mean, he had been doing this for years before he was for caught. Years. So it was, it, it, it took them a long now. time to connect. Yeah. Because he wasn't, he was so- going state to state and, mm-hmm. you know. and he didn't get notoriety. He didn't get like a thrill. Like he obviously got a thrill. That's why he did it. But he wasn't so, like, arrogant about it until he started being broadcast mm-hmm. on TV as the railroad killer. And then he's like, "Oh, hey, I got some, I got some, some cred here." And then he started murdering more frequently, and that's why they realized they had a problem because the murder started happening more frequently, which is why we were panicked in the UP because we thought, "Well, if he's just killing as many people as he can before he gets to Canada, we're all we're all screwed." It was more scary of how comfortable he would get. Yeah. Oh my! He, he was would make food. He would cook, make food, eat while everybody was just oh. sitting dead around him. That's nuts. Like that to me is beyond a messed up individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and man. Then he, he called his sister and said, "I'm just tired from what murdering people across the country." What are you tired from? <laughs> Being you. So like that it. was. This well, was the story I connected, and that seems weird to say, but this is the story I connected most with because this was the one I remembered. Like I can sort of, I bet Eve connects would connect with the DC sniper story mm-hmm. because she's she's in that general, or at least she was growing up in that general New Englandish area. And there's the Zodiac Killer, the part two. I actually forgot about that one. I, I totally I've never forgot. forgotten about the Zodiac Killer. I remember the original one from San Francisco. Oh, but I, didn't really, I, New York. For, I forgot about the second one in New York. It was a completely different dude. Yeah. So that was, and how they caught him. I mean, that was nuts. That yeah, was I just don't want, an accident. I'm, I'm trying not to give anything away. That's why it's hard for me to talk. So I'm like, and this happened and this happened. And I just want to tell everybody <laughs> what happened. And 
this true crime i always like to know i don't like to know everything before i go Mm -hmm. into it because then i don't like to watch it yeah and honestly tell me what happens that's part of why I think you and I like the crime so much. It's not because we're fascinated with death and we're fascinated by, ooh, murder, ooh. It's not no. that. It's the psychology of, like, I have this friend whose her son was reading um, Mein Kampf. And mm-hmm. it wasn't because he was a Nazi. It wasn't because he was like, Hitler's cool. It was, I want to understand mm-hmm. how someone could be so wicked and so evil and do these horrifying things to these people. That's kind of what it is for me. Like, how why what is your reasoning here how how would you do this and what i like about catching killers is it's not just about getting in fact it's very little about getting into the killer's mindset it's about the people who are doing the catching mm-hmm. it's about how they operate how that one guy i don't even i don't remember what case it was but they went to him because he would do cases that involved witchcraft and black magic yeah and so how they it would that that was something i didn't know was even a division Mm-hmm. in the police force so right? the way they they have to work together and they have to put aside their massive egos to work together to find these people that go across state lines they have to utilize these sources and resources they have to be smart they have to they have to get inside the killer's head to do these things it was it was very interesting feels like the wrong word doesn't it but interesting is the only word i'm coming up with the the psychology behind it is interesting yeah that's i guess the good way to say it i don't and they're heroes for doing this i mean it's hard like there and there's a huge thing going on in the true crime world right now it's ethics and you have to be ethical when you're talking about true crime in cases and because be sensitive to the victims families and that like me you will never see me have like wearing a ted bundy shirt like that's one thing I'm completely against. Like people Who go wears around- Ted Bundy shirts. Oh, I see them for sale all the time. Why? A Dahmer Ted. Why Bundy. are you celebrating this guy? Exactly, and that's the whole thing about true eth- uh, true crime and ethics is because mainly it's it a lot of it is the podcast community who is trying to get this word out of this is we don't need to celebrate these people. Like we like it's- a nefarious nightmare never talks about serial killers because. They're just so they're put up on this pedestal for some reason. And like it's bizarre. I, and I'm like, what you know, every like what if a great granddaughter from Ted Bundy is or victim is walking down the street and she she sees uh, you wearing a Ted Bundy shirt. Oh, he mm-hmm. killed my grand like my yeah, you know, my great aunt. These are these know. are people who deserve notoriety. These are people who did horrible, awful, wicked things. Yeah. I mean, should we should we know about them? Mm-hmm. if you're into that yes like i know i know everything about the, there is to know about ted bundy and the serial killers and everything but it's not where but i need to my, put my focus i don't yeah, it's care. not and it's not because you want to promote that. him no it's not because you want to tell everybody about what he did it's because you want to understand i mean especially i think as a parent i think a lot of times for me as a parent i want to be aware of how these people work because i want to be able to protect my people not that yeah. I would be able to do a whole lot of Ted Bundy got a hold of me, but I, you know, I'm, I, I, I want to be more prepared to deal with the mentality of wickedness. Mm-hmm. So this one, I mean, you know what you're getting when you watch it again, documentaries, you should know what you're getting into. They're very clear. There's not like there's a hidden agenda here. It's not like who, who's going to do this. Who's going to like, you know, documentaries mm-hmm. are told after something has been completed. It's interesting if if you are into true crime, 
even if you're not really, if you're just into like the psychology aspect, if you're into figuring out why people do what they do or how they operate, how they operate, check this out. Honestly, for me, I would give this, and again, it just, it just feels weird to be like, oh, I love this or, oh, I really enjoyed this because it was, you do feel sad in it, but that's the empathy. If you don't feel sad, then maybe go see a therapist because this is, this is like a yeah. stuff. There's even one of the officers says, of course, this job is hard. I am no longer married. So if that tells you anything, because these, these men and women who are involved in these, they are pulled constantly from their families to like the DC sniper. They were pulled. It was, he was shooting kids. They left their kids at home to solely focus on this because they did not want him to harm anybody else. Certainly not another child. Mm -hmm. So these people are pulled from their families and they're giving of themselves to this work, to this job. And that's what the job is. And you kind of know that going in, but that doesn't mean it's easy. It, I mean, if, if, if no one did this job, we'd all be screwed. Right. So, I mean, we, mm -hmm. we need to be thankful. So if, if you're, if you're into the psychology aspect, if you're into law enforcement, if you're into true crime and why people do what they do, check this out. It's got three seasons. It's only 12 episodes. It's easy. I mean, it's not easy watch, but it's a fast watch because they're mm -hmm. what an hour or 45 minutes, something like that per episode. Yeah. It doesn't take very long. No, I would, I would give this one an A for me. I do too. I love catching killers. I always mm -hmm. like when new season comes out. So yeah, I'm totally, totally given it a, and like I said earlier, like that was the whole thing I was trying to make sense of earlier is there are so many documentaries out there, but when a new season of catching killers comes out, I always want to watch it. I think it's yeah. just the way that they do it and they put it on mm -hmm. and they speak. Yeah. It, it doesn't make me feel like slimy watching it. Exactly. There's some, there's some that I, I watch and I'm like, Bro, why are we talking about the killer like this? Like exactly. This okay. So I like, I like it. I give it an A. In normal, I feel like in normal true crime stuff, except for there's this Bailey Syrian. I don't know if you guys know who that is, mm -hmm. um, but she does like murder and makeup is what she calls it. And she'll talk about a true crime case as she does her makeup and she's phenomenal at doing both. I don't know how she does both at the same time. I would stab myself in the eye repeatedly, but she does it great. Um, so she's on YouTube if you want to check her out. But um, what you see in a lot of normal true crime things is they talk solely about the killer. They talk solely about, and some of them, it gets a little like hero worshipy. Like, hmm, do we, yeah. do we really want to, we should not be putting this killer up here. We should not be giving this killer the notoriety that they want. And what I liked about catching killers is it wasn't so much about the killer. It was about the catchers. And it wasn't, even when they found the person, there wasn't a lot of, a lot of information given about the killer. It no, was, we got a lot more about the victims than we did the exactly. killer. And that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. A lot more about the victims and a lot more about the people who brought them to justice. And that's, I think that's why I, I like this show so much because it was about justice. It wasn't about killing. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's, that's the difference in a lot of true crime documentaries is it's about the killing rather than the justice. Yep. And I don't, I'm not into killing. I'm, I'm into justice and I'm into seeing the wicked be brought to, to righteousness and the wicked be yeah. found accountable. That's what I I'm just into. want the bad people off the street. Exactly. And this, I think this adequately does that. And it, it really, it was nice to see, I mean, it, this is going to sound again, well, I'm making a lot of weird statements tonight, but just, it's fine. <laughs> it's, this is Okay. I like seeing the grown men cry. Like they were, that sounds so weird when I say I know it out loud and though. I hear it, <laughs> but there's, we see these, these law enforcement people as sometimes the enemy. I don't, but a lot of people see them as the enemy and mm -hmm. they see them as these emotionless robots who just want control. 
But when you watch them break down and cry over people they did not know dying, it that's that's what it should be about. Yeah. Nobody kills another person and is happy about it unless you're a psychopath. A psychopath. <laughs> I mean, I see a lot of these videos where cops have to shoot somebody and then they, they completely break down mm-hmm. and they have they I mean they're off the job for a while. They have yeah. to go through therapy. That's a lot to take a human life. It is. So, I mean, as much hate as there is for cops and law and everything right now, there's good cops and there's bad cops. And mm-hmm. I think we need to separate that. Just Not like every people. cop is a bad cop. There 100%. are bad cops. There mm-hmm. are bad cops. And I will fully support that removal of them. There needs to be removal. There needs to be change mm-hmm. in the police system. But I don't think there should be no cops. I just exactly. think the system needs to change. Yeah. And and the, the ones who are bad cops, they're in the minority. Just like with people, yeah. there are good people and there are bad people. The bad people might be louder than the good, but the bad yeah. people are in the minority. Yeah. They're just louder and more aggressive. That's all. Cops Same with police people. officer. Yep. <laughs> there's good and there's bad. Every <laughs> every person is flawed and broken. It's what you do with that brokenness that that sets you apart from the rest whether yep. in a good way or a bad way. So um, give this show a shot. These, mm-hmm. um, If you have any other documentaries you want us to watch, and honestly, because we're going to be doing these Netflix things, if there are certain shows you want us to review for you before you watch it, let us know what those are. We're, we're yep. set up to, I think, next week on our Netflix review, we are bringing you Sweet Magnolia's season three recap because that is coming out soon. I'm so excited. So if you if you don't know anything about Sweet Magnolias and you're maybe interested, we've done a couple. We did a recap for one, season one and season two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Certainly season two. But we also got the opportunity to interview Simone Lockhart, who plays Nellie in Sweet Magnolias, and Logan Allen, who plays Kyle in Sweet Magnolias. And I got to tell you, those two are some of our favorite people on the planet. So we they got to are. talk to them a couple different times. You guys have not seen our 100th episode that was live, but that will be coming out in the midst of all of our new stuff that we have to be doing. Um, we did that. We did our 100th episode live a year ago, and it just it, we did it live, so we didn't publish it. But now we're that's going to go in the rotation, so you'll be able to see us talk to them again. We got to talk to them a couple different times. A lot so, of different people in that video, not a just lot, yeah them too. It was lots people. of people from the resident, people from Gilmore Girls, Girl Summer, Girl Summer. We had we had a ton of people. Yes, a ton. So that'll come out. But you can check out those interviews uh, while you're waiting for the season three premiere. And then season three is coming at you next week. And of course, we always have our cool summers on Fridays, our cool summer recaps. There are only three more of those coming. After Sweet Magnolias, our next Netflix one will be lifestyle reality shows that we're going to be reviewing for you. So these things are all in the mix coming at you. If there's something you want us to review or maybe even a subject to say, Hey, I want to. I want you to review more comedies, or I want you to review this these kinds of TV shows. Let us know. We will look into that for you. We will watch them and we will review them, so you don't have to watch them if you don't want to. So you can check up on that, um, and you can also look into our Netflix group on Facebook, which is Netflix Netflix Family Fan Club. Go on there. You can tell us in there what you want us to watch. So if you want to catch up with us, you can catch us on any of our social medias under Fan and Family Chats. You can also find us on our email. Same one, it's familyfanclub2021 at Gmail. Find us there. Let us know what you want to hear from us in the coming months and months and months without TV. We and would subscribe. love to. Yes. And do not forget to subscribe. When you subscribe, that's how we get some credibility as a, as a real channel, as a podcast. So subscribe on YouTube and on wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe and rate us on there. 
the more credibility we get, we'll be able to get some interviews right off the bat. Unfortunately, we did get some people who were going to come on for an interview and agreed to be in an interview with us, a few different people actually. But with the SAG strike, we have to postpone those. So continue yeah. subscribing. So when this is all said and done, we can get some interviews for you, get you the content you want. So we will see you on Friday for another Cruel Summer Breakdown and next Wednesday for a Sweet Magnolia's Breakdown. We'll see you real soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Loving our content? Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to share our podcast with your family and friends. We want to continue the conversation with you. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok under Fan and Family Chats or one of our ever-growing Facebook groups by searching Family Fan Club. We've also launched a website, familyfanclub2021 at wixsite.com. You can email us there and keep checking it for announcements and merch coming soon. And of course, be sure to tune in every week for new episodes discussing all your favorite shows.